Greetings, Mind Crafters, and welcome to an exciting, another exciting Minecraft episode. My name is Kimberly Quinn, and I am here in northern Vermont, thrilled beyond imaginability to have this talk about the, the very simple fact that life is just a test. That's it. It's only a test. You know, we often run around like life is, a, life is an emergency. It's not an emergency, thankfully, most of the time. You know, when we get those you know, hor horrible curveballs thrown at us. Thankfully, they're typically fewer and far between. They're not the majority of the time. In fact, most of the time, thankfully, life is not even in urgency. And my inspiration today comes from Dr. Richard Carlson. He is the author of the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff books. There's a bunch of them, and they're these little paperbacks, you know, um, that, that, that just sort of give you a, a, a daily something to ponder and something positive to affirm and work into your life. And I really like him. So, so Richard starts off by saying, one of my favorite posters says, life is a test. It's only a test. Had this been real life, you would have been instructed where to go and what to do. I love that. Whenever I think of this humorous bit of wisdom, it reminds me to not take my life so seriously. And of all the, the you know, the, the different epidemics, quote unquote, I could do air quotes here. I'll just kind of tell you about that. Air quotes, uh, epidemics in the country, you know, we've got loneliness is definitely an epidemic. It, it's right, up, it's right up there uh, in the United States anyway, listed with, you know, smoking and heart disease as a leading cause of death. So that's what I'm not saying that lightly, just being all touchy feely and lightly. It's actually, that's a, that's a true statement right there. And also I think, and this one is coming from me, but I think over seriousness, if it's not an epidemic, it's certainly whatever's right below that. Because I think we have a, we have a tendency to get very caught up in our heads. We get very caught up in our heads. Anxiety is absolutely an epidemic, and we do a lot of what if thinking and what if this and what if that and what if I don't graduate? What if I don't get the job? What if let's fast forward to season the season crew? Um, what if I don't have enough saved in retirement? What if I'm so sick of my job and stuck in it? But I'm 50. And what do I do now? You know, what if this, what if that? And then there's all the catastrophizing. And it's just urgency, urgency. So with the brain, remember, doesn't know the difference between what we create as an urgent urgency or emergency and what's an actual urgency or emergency. And so when we do this, this constant overthinking and dissecting of our lives and ruminating over the woulda, coulda, shouldas and all of that, the brain is in is in DEFCON 4 mode. And this also takes, in the, in the bigger picture, takes a huge toll on the body as well. So Richard continues, he says, when you look at life and its many challenges as a test or series of tests, you begin to see each issue you face as an opportunity to grow, a chance to roll with the punches. I love that right now. Whether you're being bombarded with problems, responsibilities, even insurmountable hurdles, when looked at as a test, you always have the chance to succeed in a sense of sort of rising above that which is challenging you. You know what else I love is Wayne Dyer, when, you know, Richard's talking about having problems here, right? Wayne Dyer says, you know, basically, it's a tough sell when you're in it, of course, but really we want to kind of have some gratitude there because the only people without problems are dead, you know, when you look at it that way. And the thing is, you know, and, and life is meant to absolutely be enjoyed and to learn 
mainly the number one, in my opinion, to learn, learn how to love each other, ourselves, ourselves, and then each other better. That's like the main theme of life on this planet. And also to enjoy the ride, you know, um, to really enjoy the, the, the ride, the very enriched ride. And that said, you know, obviously we, we want to, we want to just, um, you know, focus on all these wonderful and rich life, life experiences and, you know, and invite as much joy as possible and depth, spiritual depth into our lives. And to realize that without, you know, sucker punches, as we might want to call them, or without, you know, life's curveballs, there would be no growth, really. It's like super Buddhist, you know, the, the Buddhists, and I don't, I'm not saying I'm in this place where I'm inviting it, but the Buddhists actually invite the contrast because that is how spiritual growth happens. And lots of people talk about contrast. Most recently I've been listening to, well, listen to lots of people, but I'm, it's sort of making me think of Abraham Hicks right now because she talks about what, what we would call the contrast. So let's say it's on a light level. You got, you know, a couple of people at work who just aren't the healthiest. Maybe they've got some narcissistic tendencies. Maybe they're, you know, just looking out for themselves and maybe even manipulating and sabotaging and everything. And this, this contrast is there. And we're like, what WTF, you know, I'm a good vibe. I'm just trying to work with everybody. What is up with this? We, when we, when we shift out of that place with the contrast, like, what is this contrast doing here? Why is it in my life? Well, we're going to have contrast in our lives. It doesn't give those, the, those people a pass. It doesn't give the snarkies a pass. It doesn't give people a pass with a petty behavior. It definitely doesn't give anybody passes through doing anything on a huge level either. We're not saying that though. Here's the, the thing. And listening to Abraham Hicks and also Wayne Dyer and definitely Oprah. And, you know, my, the great thinkers is it helps me a lot when I remember that life doesn't happen to us. It happens for us. It really helps me to shift out of it because it's easy when that contrast presents itself, when the life tests or quizzes present themselves that this is an opportunity for me to grow. And I realize that it's a super tough sell when you're in it. However, when we look back, the dots do connect. It all unfolded the way it was meant to. The hard times, um, we often have memories of the coming together with you know support and everything. Like even a funeral, as horrible as horrible as funeral funerals are, and some are worse than others. Obviously, losing a child is not the same thing as losing an 80-year-old who had a full life. We're not can't that's all we can't even put that in the same you know place um but think of like a let's just say let's just go with the 80 year old so 80 year old uh it's a funeral and they had a full life and everything and it's sad to lose that grandparent maybe that's a great grandparent or maybe that's a parent for you or maybe it's a partner right that there's never ever a good time for this loss so then when we look back often what we remember is all the good things said about that person and everybody coming together, people we may not have seen for years, came all the way, flew in on airplanes and drove long distances. And, and then there's the people who don't even know us that well, who bring covered dishes and things like that to help make our lives a little easier for the next couple of weeks while we kind of, you know, adjust, you know, to that, to that loss. And, you know, this is kind of what Richard Carlson's books are, these don't sweat the small stuff books are all about. And then underneath in the little letters, it, it, it's like, and it's all small stuff. And, for the most part, it all is small stuff. Thankfully, we don't get those phone calls about somebody dying, a car accident very often. Thankfully, it's not very often. So when we get super worked up about all the little crap that happens daily, you know, somebody was snarky by the water cooler, somebody was gossiping, somebody left you out of a lunch plan that, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Not that all that isn't hurtful. We're not saying that. 
an uncalled for in the rest of it. But if we get worked up to DEFCON 4 level, each time somebody leaves us out of something or, you know, whatever happens with Sark, somebody snags something out from under your work, whatever, whatever, whatever. If we get that worked up on all that little crap, doesn't see when doesn't seem little at the time, but it is in the scheme of you know losing a loved one. It's just not the same, right? Never mind everything going on in the world that's huge and and people in, in different situations in different countries suffering with you know political this and political that and violence and everything else. All that little crap, it is all small stuff. So we don't want to use the juice. We don't want to be a DEFCOM four when it doesn't even make it onto the radar. Really, we want to save it up for when we really truly need it for something that happens in our own life or maybe in the life of somebody we really care about, which is also our own life, of course. And then we can go full throttle, wrap around like a burrito to wrap around ourselves and our families or the friend or, or whomever. We just don't want to use up that juice on things that don't warrant it. I'll just repeat this a little bit. Remember, the only people without problems are dead. I'm just getting a little reminder right there. Okay, so Richard Carlson says, whether you're being bombarded with problems, responsibilities, even insurmountable hurdles, when looked at as a test, you always have a chance to succeed in the sense of rising above that which is challenging you. If, on the other hand, you see each new issue you face as a serious battle that must be won in order to survive, you're probably in for a very rocky journey. The only time you're likely to be happy is when everything is working out just right. That's just a, that's, a, that's a tough road right there. And we all know how often that happens. We also don't want to be outcome-based. You know, we've, we've talked about that a gazillion times. You know, Wayne Dyer's super big on that. Abraham Hicks also super big on that. Um, because when we attach to outcomes, things working out exactly as we want to, that means it's all external. That means our needs and our happiness are dependent on other people and other things happening outside of, outside of us, of which we have very little, if any, control. Think about that. that. That sets us up to at best be less than happy and more than likely miserable because we've given our, we've given our own agency, our own autonomy, our own, you know, uh, control up on a, you know, silver platter, just or beautiful Italian China. Like, here you go. I'm just giving you my power. That is not what we want to do. And also that is awesome. This is, in addition to making us super unhappy, that's also self-abandonment, and there is nothing worse you can do to yourself. So you want to bring that back in the frame, back in the frame, realizing that the happiness all occurs, all of it, on the inside of your own frame, where you're basking in your own authenticity. None of it happens externally. None of it. And then Richard says, as an experiment, see if you can apply this idea to something you are, you are forced to deal with. Perhaps you have a difficult teenager or a demanding boss, I'm going to throw in their work politics because they can be really, really challenging with the whole power differential thing. Um, see if you can define the issue you face from being a problem to being a test. Rather than struggling with your issue, see if there's something you can learn from it. And again, I realize this is a tough sell, but this is a really good, this is a super good lesson. Ask yourself, what is this issue in, oh, sorry, why is this issue in my life? Why is this issue in my life? What could it mean and what could be, what would be involved to rise above it? Could I possibly look at this issue any differently? Can I see it as a test of some kind? And I have to tell you right now, my, um, my very best friend from growing up and I, 
we have lots of talk. We talk every couple of weeks, basically it goes in splurges, but it doesn't go, we don't, we don't ever go too long without talking. Usually it's around every two to three weeks. If any of you read the seven days article, she's the rooftop friend. I don't, I'm not sure I know anybody more self-aware than her, to be quite honest. And we both have a little bit of contrast going on in our lives. It's not DEFCON 4, but it's, a, it's clearly redirecting us. And we're, we kind of both at the same time, different, entirely different contexts. And we both really talked about this whole quiz thing. And we also went to high school together. And I was thinking of my favorite teacher ever, my favorite teacher. A lot of people don't have one. I definitely do. His name was Mr. Serco. And he was my physics teacher. And I will tell you, stay with me, because I'm, I'm going to roll right back into what we're talking about. He, I ended up loving physics. But I do, I do, I've always liked science, but I'm not sure I would have been a huge, huge physics fan without this wonderful man in my life back then. Um, and he dressed like the fifties. He had the white shirt, like Archie Bunker with the black pants and the hormone glasses. I loved him. Okay. So here's where it applies to what we're talking about. It's the only time in my entire educational experience I had ever, ever had this situation. He didn't do any big tests. He didn't do papers either. It's a hard science. So it was all labs and quizzes, labs and quizzes. And so he allowed forever till the end of the semester to retake any quiz you wanted to, even if you know, you're two months in, you wanted to take the second quiz over again, you could, you could take it 15 times if you wanted to, and he would swap out the grade. Now, obviously, um, in order to challenge you, he, you know, the, it wasn't the exact quiz, it was the same exact content, but he, you know, reworded questions and things like that, so you really had to work, but no matter what, you could be successful, so here's what, I, this is, this here, here's sort of the metaphor with what we're talking about, is that this is what we're talking about with life throwing us quizzes and what my my best friend from growing up, my my, uh, my rooftop friend, and I talked about for about an hour and 15 minutes while I waited for my tires to be, my snow tires to be switched at the mechanic and an oil change, hour and 15 minutes about this. That life, and Oprah talks about this a lot, life throwing us a quiz. So his quizzes, Mr. Circo's quizzes were out of 10. So if you got an 8 out of 10, 8.5, I don't think he did points. 8 point, I don't think so. Okay, so let's say 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10. Okay, an 8 is considered a B, so that's above average. A 9 is considered an A, okay. But if you wanted that 10, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. So it's kind of like the universe or God or source, whatever you want to say. The key, these tests, these quizzes, these little quizzes keep showing up. Even if a month goes by, months, years go by. And my rooftop and friend, my friend and I kept talking about it. Like, why does this keep showing up? This particular contrast situation we both had, different contexts, we both said it to each other because clearly we didn't pass the quiz yet. And we think we're pretty close. We have a ton of insight. She and I are very self-aware. We have these discussions constantly. But clearly, we don't have a 10 out of 10 yet. And that's why it keeps showing up wearing different outfits in a different place. And we also, you know, again, we talked about this, you know, it must be we have, you know, another percentage point to go or something because we're both because we're on it. That's the weird thing. That's why we're both so like, Okay, what's up with this universe? Come on, for us it's for us it's God, but universe source, whatever. And we we also circle back around to the um, even though it's a tough sell, really embracing it in our conversation. And it was so wonderfully helpful to be, you know, mutually supportive with our with our each one in our circumstances, because it, we gave each other wonderful insight and also reminded ourselves that again, life doesn't happen to us, but happens for us. And and point, it points us in a different direction. And and then that, like we talked about earlier too, with my, my good friend Tom and his 
synchronicity guy. That's what, that's what we'll call him from now, from now on. Once we get sort of turned on to the, to the fact that contrast is part of our whole ride on this earth is going to happen. So rather than resist it, you know, Carl, Rung, Carl Jung, famous psychoanalyst, so that which we resist will persist, right? So we dig our claws in, it just makes it bigger and harder and, and everything. When we realize contrast coming by, rather than digging our claws in, to just acknowledge it, we're not, again, we're not giving snarkies passes and things like that. We're acknowledging it. We can also learn to be quietly effective, which is taking the high road, not proving a point, smiling and nodding. And, you know, in our heads, we're taking the high road and realizing that these these players and whatever contrast is going on are all part of us, are all part of our story. Again, not giving passes, just acknowledging with with, uh, you know, just openness and acceptance of of contrast and not 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 accepting horrible behavior, just accepting that this contrast is pointing us another direction and that it will always work out in our best interest in the end. In the end, the dots do connect. When we look back, right, again, it's a tough sell in it when we're in it. When we look back, we got fired, somebody did this, that, and then we, we look back, you know, five or ten years later, maybe not even close to that, like, oh, my God, it was horrible, but thank God I ended up in this dream job. I, if I didn't move, if I didn't get the dream job, I wouldn't have moved, wouldn't have met this person. Like, that, 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 that. This is how it happens. And so the contrast is there as part, as part of our spiritual journey, and, and the people that are, are in it, are, are sort of actors on the stage. And I think once we remember that, it gets easier to not react, definitely not to overreact, and to not sweat the small stuff as much, which is what Richard Carlson's book series is about, and to save a lot of that energy. You know, for when there really is a big, huge, a huge curveball, because that's what we really want to do. Life is a series of quizzes. That's it. And um, it's just not, it's not, not only is it not an emergency, it's not even an urgency most of the time, thankfully. Okay, this is Kimberly Quinn signing off from the beautiful northern Vermont. Have a mindful day.